Hey, everybody. This is Rob, host of the House of X Book Club, and I have got a full house with me today. Um, we just I just want to say that we just came off a bunch of us, minus our dear friend Drew there, got together and recorded an episode, a bonus episode. And uh, for the first time, Roger got to hear the theme song. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Roger's got some new tech. However, it doesn't seem like his tech is quite working. It's not working quite well. But at any rate, let's introduce everybody. Hey, we got Roger here. Hi, Raj. Hey, guys. How about that issue with Frankenstein's a monster, huh? That was pretty oh. awesome. Uh, Okay. <laughs> All right. I call bullshit, but... <laughs> hey, how's it going, Drew? How are you, man? You know, I'm doing really good, and the Frankenstein's monster will not top the locust. Ooh. <laughs> well, no, you're you're right. You're totally for sure on that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Shane, what's up, man? Not much. Um, I have thoughts on Frankenstein when we talk about the next book that we talk about here. So, um, <laughs> yeah. a matter of fact, I, I've got in my head what I think might have been the conversation between Stanley and Roy. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> very nice. And Rowan. Hello. I have nothing to add. I'm with Shane on this one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Well, um, so like I said, the bunch of us got together and we recorded a bonus episode that we'll that will be uh published, you know, at some point. But we were all real bummed that I mentioned this. We were all real bummed out because Drew wasn't with us. He had the crud. And, uh, and the COVID and, got me. Yeah. Yeah. There's a first time for everything, right? Yeah. Uh, but Drew, Drew said that he watched it. He watched it while we were streaming and said that we said some really nice things about him. You guys, I don't remember that at all. Did we say anything nice about Drew? No. No, I it didn't. Was, it was at the very beginning. You, you you were like, oh, Drew's not here. We miss him, blah, 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 blah. And then at the very end, after you guys had wrapped, you were still recording and some woman walked up to you. I think it was a woman. I honestly don't remember. And you discussed me and also said some very nice things. Which oh, I my God. I can't you, quote them. We you were know. caught. No, no, no. Drew had COVID. He was delirious with fever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually didn't get a fever at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. 99.7 was the highest I got. So yeah. you know it's well, true because we we were caught. We didn't even know we were still being recorded. Yeah. God damn it, Shane! <laughs> <laughs> hey, that live stream had nothing to do with me, man. That was oh, all you. That's right. You're right about that. <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody said, "Hey, shouldn't you go turn that off?" I remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> so we're still watching. Yeah. <laughs> Put your pants back on before you do that. <laughs> So tonight we're going to be talking about X-Men number 41 and X-Men number 42. And all right, I just want to say this may not be anyone's favorite issue of X-Men, but I, I enjoyed it. <sighs> yes, I know. In fact, I enjoyed both of the issues in this story arc uh, because for me, they were moving toward an event that I, as a, like, I've read these issues already, like, you know, probably five, six years ago now. But when I was young, I re remember hearing about this event that takes place at the end of this story arc. And I'm like, that sounds fucking awesome. I can't wait. And so I was kind of stoked to read it. And this is, for me, this is history, man. It's like going back and reading, you know, Abraham Lincoln's diary or something. But... <laughs> Oh, please. You're right. It's not that good. Uh, <laughs> Wasn't he a vampire hunter? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would but say was... we could we could maybe put put the issues 41 and 42 like on par with maybe the Barbie twins autobiography. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You're, you're Casey okay. Lord's autobiography. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that one's a step up. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're right about that. Okay, well, we'll get started. So X-Men 41 was released December 12, 1967. Uh, the cover date is February of 1968. The writing was Roy Thomas. The penciling was Don Heck. The inking was George Tuska. Lettering, Sam Rosen. And, of course, editing was that guy, Stan Lee. So the title of this story is Now Strikes the Subhuman. I feel like that's the wrong title. Yeah. yeah. It should have been... <laughs> 
Frankenstein 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Our the ultimate revenge. Yeah, Rowan and I did talk a little bit. I, I was like, it seems to me that Roy Thomas was really stuck on one idea. And when it didn't go over too well with <laughs> Frankenstein's monster, he kind of carried it into the next issue. Yes, um, indeed. Well, <laughs> uh, my, theory, my theory was, was that, that Roy Thomas suffered from like a head injury. And they just made him come back to Earth work a little bit too quick. Mm. Um, so they're in the pitch, and he's like, all right, what, we're glad to see that Roy's back to work. What do we think we want to do for next issue? And Roy's like, we're going to have him fight Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, we already did that, Roy. He's like, yeah, well, we'll have him fight Frankenstein too. Frankenharder. <laughs> like, that's oh, a God. stupid name. It will never work. Well, like, we, we well, call no. it something else, like Gargantos with a Z at the end. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's too many syllables. Stan says, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have enough room to, for my witty, witty editor's boxes. Something shorter. How about boogity? <laughs> Roy says, I like the sound of a G name better. How about grotesque? It's two letters shorter. He's like, all right, that's fine. We'll go with that. What are we going to do for issue 42? Let's have him fight Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it, you guys. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Good night. Uh, so, so the story here, we got Bobby and Hank are out with the girls as they usually are, right? Uh, on a subway that Vera probably paid for. Um, <laughs> uh, so they're on the subway train when a six and a half foot monster flings the train off the track. Now the guys ditch the girls as they usually do, um, and go fight the thing, which. No, not the, the thing. Cause that would have been much better. Yeah. You're right. You know, with they tentacles and heads coming yeah, off. Yeah. Yeah. They fight the monster. Not the not the ever loving blue eyed thing. Um, oh, I was thinking this, John Carpenter, dude. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, Roger you, wanted to you. inject some Lovecraftian business into this. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> and I think during the battle, Hank says, Oh, this thing is grotesque. And the monster's like, Hey, I like that name. That's what I'm gonna call myself. So it's not like that's, a, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it's not like he was even already called grotesque. It's like Hank named him. You know, <laughs> I know. I think the book even briefly mentions his real name when he's talking about his past. Yeah. Think... Yeah. And it's yeah. very similar to grotesque. Yes. Gartok. Right. Um, so they're fighting. The monster runs off. And while he <laughs> while he runs off, he recounts his life story and talks about how earth tremors are the reason his people died off he uses this as a reason to like to to want to come and destroy humanity apparently he was changed by i think it was radiation or toxic yeah. gas okay radiation by radiation released by the tremors and then the tremors come from a man-made machine so his goal is to like come up to come up to the above and find that machine and use it to destroy the earth well, I, I'm sure we'll talk about it for issue 42 in, in this episode, but that backstory changes in the next issue. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's that's probably because of Roy Thomas's head injury that Shane mentioned. Yeah, um, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, meanwhile, Charles Xavier is uh, training Scott, Angel, and Gene, and uh, being a real dick about it. Real yep. dick. Yeah. Apparently, he's told the secret to Gene and doesn't want anybody to know. And um, it's making him cranky. Whatever it is that he's holding secret is, is making him cranky. Well, Hank and Bobby tell him about, they come back and they tell him about the monster in the subway. And Xavier. They sends, try to. Yeah, they, they don't succeed. He won't let them. Yeah. But he does send everybody to deal with it, except for Gene. Because he right. reads their mind. He's like, oh, yeah, I read your mind. I know what's going on. Get the oh, fuck yes. out of here. There's a there's a scene in that, right, where he there's a bit in that where he sends everybody away. And he's like, except for you, Gene. And Scott's like, why is he so obsessed with Gene? Could it be that he's in love with her? Um, <laughs> did you guys catch that? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we know he is. 
He admitted yep. to it in like one of the first couple issues. Yeah. Uh, but but Shane, there's one thing we forgot. Right, Thomas his head injury. That's um, true. yeah. <laughs> no, he I guys. I, I, Roy Thomas, if you're listening, man, we love you. You're great. Uh, don't shake your head, Raj. No, um, <laughs> I, I said nothing. I don't know. I thought that was a hoot where he's like, could it be that he's in love with her just like I am? But yeah, so he sends him to go deal with it. Grotesque decides to, like, he manages to get to this machine that causes all the tremors and he wants to destroy the service world. Scott and Hank, uh, they find him end of the first story in this arc <laughs> but, but so tell me about your thoughts you guys i, I actually want to hear uh starting from rowan because because i know she's got she's got thoughts well i mean first of all this following frankenstein this follows frankenstein and then it's just a frankenstein monster again mm-hmm. and then the, the this whole subterranean world thing this is there are multiple characters that are coming from subterranean worlds. I'm like, there's that will, I mean, that have already existed and that will, like, will bump into. And uh, it's just like, they just have like a finite number of, of characters and, and origins. And they just reach into the hat and pull them out the same little five bits of paper and they, and then they combine them and they're like here we go i believe the the phrase you're looking for is creatively bankrupt yeah <laughs> well yeah, you know what's I, funny you know what's funny is i once saw a little cartoon um and i don't remember who it was drawn by but i want to say it was like in marvel age magazine years ago um and it was the marvel bullpen in a cartoon and they're trying to figure out what the next big story arc's going to be and they're throwing darts <laughs> at a dartboard <laughs> right well there's some with gaping holes in them because they keep hitting the same spots yeah. and the other thing that bothered me about this was it's determined this guy looks subhuman and in this issue he's described as aboriginal yeah and i was like okay so he's you're giving him a racial identifier and we've already just determined that he's also like not really human looking. So I felt like there was like kind of a, like a racist description of him. I don't think that that was, maybe that wasn't intentional. I don't think these guys really shoot for that. I think it's careless. You know, yeah. I don't think they're really, you know, there's a little, you know, a little, maybe a little fetishizing of the exotic or something sometimes happens, but I don't really think they're going for anything malicious um, or anything like that, but it was a little like you've already said he's really monstrous and ugly, and then you kind of pull this. I think they're trying to say he looks kind of tribal. Well, it's the it's the idealizing of uh, the more primitive, the more primitive man without modern refinements. It's that kind yeah. of thing, right? Well, yeah, and- they kind of fetishize the exo- that, and then I yeah. and I think is what they're doing in a, but it you know especially because he's already been described as subhuman, it just it's yeah. not awesome. Yeah. But I, like I said, I don't think it's malicious. I just think it. Well, the, the, to juxtapose against that, he lives in this massive underground metropolis. Right. That had like God knows <laughs> right. what kind of technology. And it's like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> I was yeah. really confused by the term subhuman throughout this two issue arc, because sometimes it seemed like they were using it to say like he was subhuman. Yeah. He was less than human. He was grotesque. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, he was not a human. But sometimes it seemed like they were using it like almost because uh, it's below like, ground, like, right? Like it was subterranean human, but they yeah. were shorting it. It, it was right. really bizarre. Well, I think, and to to what Rowan said earlier, I feel like the Aboriginal thing is part of the the Stanley push, where he didn't like to use small words. Tribal wasn't a big enough word for Stanley, so it mm-hmm. was like. And I think that that's where that all came from because he liked to throw in big words absolutely unnecessarily as often as he possibly could. So you're saying Stanley is the beast. <laughs> I think that that is, yeah, that is entirely possible. And, and I, I, I like, I didn't understand like why they were saying he was so horrible. Oh, he's, you know, the, the whole subhuman thing. Look at him. He's grotesque. I was like, I don't know. At first I thought that was the drummer for the Yardbirds. <laughs> 
Oh, I broke Roger. <laughs> he, went, <laughs> he went ultrasonic. <laughs> Dude, he may have hit on something. <laughs> oh, only the dogs can hear Roger laughing for a couple seconds. <laughs> but yeah, no, I do. I feel like that the um, the the wording. There's no thought to like the ramifications. It's just all you know. What's the biggest word we can use to describe the way this guy looks? Right. Re- regardless of what the the opinion of that word might be, or what the actual meaning of that word might be, it's that oh, that it might just be even be like a thesaurus type thing where it's like oh, tribal, Aboriginal, and then not even looking to see you know it's a synonym, but it doesn't mean it, that doesn't mean that it means exactly the same thing, mm-hmm. and they're not always right looking to to do any sort of research to find out what the actual meaning was. Well, I, I, I think I think for me the three things I got out of this book were first off through the entire issue. Uh, grotesque has red eyes. So help me God. He had red eyes, <laughs> but, and I didn't understand that because he has a tiny little black pupils. It's really stupid. So the other, the other two things I got out of this issue were uh, yet again, we have another humanoid race unknown to all of humanity, right? Hidden in the depths of the earth this time. There's a lot of people living underneath New York. I just want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but not in a giant advanced metropolis. I mean, what? come on. I, I and it really, it really bothers me because I actually felt like there was potential in this story, this yeah. character and this origin story. He, if with the right writer, he, he, this could have gone, this could have been big. I mean, he could have been the next Kazar, really. But he could have really been Kazar. Yeah. yeah, they they didn't go that way with it. They just made him a two dimensional monster. And in some some pages or some panels, he talks kind of primitive and rough. And other times he doesn't. And there's no, a real like inconsistency. Kazar. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose. I suppose so. Uh, so. So there's one thing that that I found interesting was he they t- he talks about how he was changed. Yeah. By by this radiation in in appearance but when he's doing a flashback he looks the same yeah 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 (laughs) he looks the same he didn't he didn't grow bigger like the hulk or anything else no but i want to point out one last thing the bottom of page four on the right that right panel where you see iceman i've never seen iceman with that much facial detail and i just want to say that don heck is doing a heck of a job his art, his art in this issue is great. It's a lot of detail, and the coloring is amazing, and it, and the inking too is is off the hook. And I will say, well, this doesn't have anything to do with the X X Men. This book we're reading, but I, one of the books I'm currently reading is Birds of Prey from DC. Yeah. Um, and the artist on that did, uh, Hawkeye, the the Lady Hawkeye book, and. The Lady Hawkeye book was beautiful and the art was amazing. And the the Birds of Prey book is drawn by the same artist with a different inker and it looks like it was done at a clown college. So inkers and colorists make all the difference in the world. Well, I, if you watch, again, I can't remember the guy's name, but if you watch, um, there's a YouTube video about the, the inker that basically ruined Kirby's art. And yeah. there was like for five years, Kirby worked with this guy. I don't know why he wouldn't let him go, but the guy was literally destroying Kirby's art. And it was, uh, it, it's, it's kind of a crime that all this, this period of time, everything that Kirby did produced was inked by this one guy. And he just used a heavy hand and didn't, you know, no refinement at all with what he did. So a, a bad inker can ruin everything. Yeah, well, I remember telling Rowan that I, I, at first, I didn't like the art because I thought grotesque looked way too cartoony and I thought it was kind of dumb looking. And then I'm looking at the detail in all the other, you know, all the other characters, even Xavier. Um, and, and I'm like, it it actually is pretty decent. You know, everybody looks like, like the art itself looks more mature. With the exception of grotesque, who looks like a cartoon. But that's probably because he's been exposed to radiation. <laughs> so... 
Well, there when? were this brought up this this book did leave me with a couple questions. Like, yeah. I didn't understand how grotesque knew who caused the incident that killed his people. So, you know, in episode or in issue forty two, we're going to talk about the the end of this story and what's happening in issue 42 wasn't happening when his um, people were wiped out and he became grotesque. Well, we'll certainly get to that. Uh, yeah. And the other yeah, thing was, was when point. they're like, Oh, professor S X taught us how to fight in the dark. Yeah. Like, wait, yeah. what? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, we that... don't need to watch it all. Right. We don't need to see everything that happens. <laughs> I, I mean, I suppose that's true, but I was just like, nah, professor X didn't teach him how to fight in the dark. He just made him mentally blind for 20 minutes so he could sneak into the kitchen and eat all the cookies. Yeah. I mean, he also, also talks to them while they poop and we don't watch that happen either. So <laughs> I'm, I'm looking through it right now and I'm realizing there is, there is some difference between what, what he looked like before the fall of his society versus afterwards. Oh yeah. And it's, it's two things. His hair goes from being straight and combed before to being, you know, looking like a big roughed up mop afterwards. That's and just, that's looking just like head, Ringo that's Star. Bed, bed hair, man. That's just, well, it could in. be, that could be, <laughs> but the important thing is now after the event, his shoulders have hair. Look, look at it. Yeah. His oh, shoulders, no. his shoulders have hair. I've just thought that was part of his primitive attire. I but did yeah. too, but now I'm looking at it and I'm like, hmm. Yeah, and That's I thought rough... that I thought that he just had pink eye when he before, <laughs> but but it, it's like when they drew him in in the um in his city before every before everyone died, his eyes the before turned time. Pink. His eyes turned pink, and then they never went back to red after that. So I don't know what happened unless they yeah. they ran out of the red ink that was coloring his eyes. Well, it's like we used it all on Beast's costume. <laughs> Dude, I'm serious. So look at page seven. It shows yeah, no. him with bare shoulders. Yeah, and that's yeah. and, and I remember the hair on the shoulders. That was a, <laughs> I thought it was part of his costume. Um. Well, so while we're talking about this, let me bring up some crimes of Xavier here. Um, and really, I've only I've only got the big one. Charles is just reading people's minds left and right. Like, he doesn't ask permission. They're like, oh, I was doing this. I know, I was reading your mind, you know? <laughs> really? Well, I, I mean, like... that's what we've been saying this whole time, though, is that Charles is just doing what he wants whenever he wants. Mm -hmm. You know, wipe the wipe the whole mind of the hospital, or not the wipe all the minds of everyone in the hospital. It's just yeah, it's one hive mind once you go into the building, um, and you know, wiping the all the minds at the police station, in the in grand design. Yeah, yeah, it's some 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 lady with a child in a stroller. Why not wipe her mind too? <laughs> I want that little baby's up. ice cream. Just so she forgets her child for his own entertainment. He's like, you don't know who this kid is. You're just pushing him down the street. Screams and runs away from it. <laughs> That's a horror story. Oh, what if he just like he tells him, like, yeah, you're just this kid's babysitter. <laughs> oh. Oh, now you're playing what if. Yeah. Now you're playing what if we <laughs> The, the cool thing about this story, this issue, is that this, this grotesque story is only 15 pages long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we got a little continuation of the Scott Summers origin story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's go into that, shall we? Yeah. Okay. This is the origin of the Uncanny X-Men, and I like that they're using the word Uncanny X-Men, uh, in The Living Diamond. So... This is a backup story with the origin of, of course, Cyclops, written by Roy Thomas, penciled by Werner Roth, inked by John Verporten, lettered by Sam Rosen, and edited by Stan Lee. Now, Xavier himself comes face to face with Jack of Diamonds, and Charles realizes that Jack has a defense against his mental bolt, right? Um, not only having hands made of diamonds, but this guy also has 
some psionic defenses. Uh, Jack collapses a building on Charles and escapes with Scott. He then ho uh, he then hopes to get into the building housing the technology that he was working on when his accident happened and he ended up with diamond hands. It's a cyclotron. And uh, he's hoping to get into that building and turn a cyclotron onto himself so that his whole body could be made out of diamond. Because isn't that what everybody just wants? I mean... Diamonds are a girl's best friend. There you go. So that's basically the premise of the backup story in this issue. Tell me, Raj, what do you what do you, what do you got going on in that mind of yours? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally my feelings on it too. Like that just, sums it up. The whole Jack of Diamonds things. Only my hands turn to diamonds. It's like what? Come on, really? Well, he, what if his it was hands or what was in there? Well, <laughs> that I mean, be a girl's best friend. There you, yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, it's so stupid because if you know anything about diamonds, you know, yes, they are the, the hardest material on earth naturally occurring. However, because of that, they're very fragile. So when he's going around banging on like, you know, metal I-beams for the building and shit, he would be shattering those hands. There's no way they would withstand that and so he's going to turn his whole body into a diamond i'm like well how do you eat how do you breathe you know whatever i don't know it's comic book stuff i'm there's guys with adamantium skin and shit now and i'm just i'm tripping over this guy <laughs> being diamond it's just like okay okay well let it go let it go well i, I mean was... maybe he's angry because it's like having diamond hands is really screwed up as saturday night masturbatory rituals or something <laughs> Yeah, probably. I don't know. You know, for I mean, it's a, it was a cool story to see the origin of uh, Scott, but I really wanted to see more of the retcon version of the story of Scott. I, this is one I was not aware of. And uh, okay, so it wasn't know. just me. I was like, no. I don't remember any of this. Yeah, and no. I, I mean, honestly, I forgot. Like from the last time we met, that there were backup stories in this. So we got to page 15 and I was like, wow, that was short. Uh, these books must, they were, these books must have really gone downhill. Oh, there's more. Uh, Roy Completely must have written unrelated. this before he bumped his head. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Drew? Well, this, this is basically like a four part mini series. Uh, the two previous issues, this issue, and then the next issue is like a four part mini series about, Scott Summers origin and Jack of Diamonds but this third part just didn't do anything even though it's only five pages literally he just he just went in and turned a diamond that's what he wanted to do the last issue yeah. and like the next issue he's a diamond so like realistically that could have just been one page between those two little issues and and the, like it, the thing is how how did he know it would turn him to diamond and not just turn him into like tinfoil or something? I mean, what if his what if he continues to mutate and become tapioca? Yeah, it's tapioca, man. You know, I don't know. Ew. <laughs> hey, I like tapioca. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> I do too, but it doesn't mean I'd want my body made of it. I do feel like at one point Scott's like, "Oh, I barely know this man, but I feel I must trust him." I was yeah. like, "Up oh, there we go." Right off the bat, Professor X poking his finger in Scott's right. soft spot. Yeah. But Brain see, there's the very first crime of Xavier right there. Yes, indeed. That we know of. That we know, that we know of. of. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of find it interesting. Now, uh, you know, with a big batch of reading that we did recently, we have uh, an Avengers issue that we read recently. And it's like, that's a, a full-size comic book issue. And I've been getting used to these like 15 page stories. So by the time I'm reading the Avengers, I'm like, holy shit, this is going on forever. <laughs> yeah, me too, dude, honestly. <laughs> but, but yeah, but I honestly, I feel like that grotesque story could have been one 15 issue book and it would yeah. have been fine. Yeah, 15 page, would have been better. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's how well, I feel about this whole Scott Summers origin story. Yeah, not a lot happens in the whole Scott Summers origin story. So I think, you know, they were really interested in in showing uh, a story of the X-Men, like their origin stories. But I got to say, some of these origins that they're giving us 
are already retconning some of the stuff we've learned in, you know, from reading number one up. And, and I mean, how many years has it been? Five? Yeah. You know, four four years and they're already changing things. <laughs> well, you know? as yeah. Drew pointed out, they don't care much about continuity between issues 41 and 42. <laughs> <laughs> That's just great. Yeah, I don't know. For me, this issue 41 slash issue three of Scott Summer's origin story, it didn't do much for me. I didn't hate it. Like I I got through it. I didn't struggle with it, but I didn't quite it, have the it, venomous it, bile. <laughs> yeah, it was just like there. I got excited that the building fell on Charles Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's how he lost the ability to walk. Oh, one of the oh, many the that third version <laughs> yeah well it's retcon i mean come he on he rolled in he rolled in with a wheelchair but then he can't walk afterwards damn it um <laughs> a building fell on me well do we have any more thoughts about this because we could probably move on to the next issue well i mean yeah we these should... tie together so i feel like my thoughts on them bleed into each other too they do yeah me yeah. too yeah. okay well let's go ahead and bleed into x-men 42 uh, the release date was January 9th, 1968. Cover date was March of 68. Written by Roy Thomas, penciled by Don Heck. George Tuska did the inking. Sam Rosen did the letters. Stan Lee did the Stan Leeing. And <laughs> that's, uh, very, that's very apropos. That's <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> the title of this one now, this is the issue that I have been waiting for for 42 issues. Uh, issue number 42. <laughs> if I Should Die. I got so excited that, you know, I could, I guess, for the last several issues building up to this, I'm like, yes, I can't wait. So you were waiting for them to fight someone with smoke bomb titties? But yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the cover, there's a picture of what looks like Charles Xavier healing over in his wheelchair and everybody's freaking out. I, as some of you already know, I, I love it when my heroes get killed off in comics and I mean, wait a minute. This, he's he's your hero? No, he's not. But he also, I know he comes back too. So, um, okay. I I do love it though when what he comes kids. back. Uh, <laughs> <for> spoiler! <laughs> God damn it! Well, I'll be honest. When I started reading X Men, he wasn't even part of the book. Like you know, God, that must have been so nice. It it was great. It was great. <laughs> and then 1992 happened. Um, so. This is If I Should Die. The story here, it starts with Angel and Iceman giving giving Gene a hand. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Giving Gene a hard time for not going with them. Like, they want to go back and find this grotesque guy. And Xavier's like, nope, you can't go. And they're like, come on. What are you talking about? You're not going to listen to him. Let's go. And I think he's even gone at the time. But she says no. She's not. Xavier said she shouldn't leave, and so she's going to stick around. And uh, he comes back, and he won't let anybody leave, which is kind of a pisser. Like, he's really being a dick to them, and they're like, we got to save humanity. Don't you care? Um, nope. Now, what I kind of like about this is that they're talking smack to the Professor Xavier, which they haven't really done before, you know? He's, he's which like, doesn't make sense, actually. Yeah, well... Because they it... usually are like, we obey, we obey. <laughs> yes, we we'll obey the, the professor. Um, I think what it's what it speaks to though is the number of times that Professor X has mind wiped the X Men. <laughs> They're getting yeah. tired of his shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh well. So, meanwhile, grotesque is is down there, and and he's just trouncing on beast and cyclops um the the creature tosses a smoke bomb and escapes to find to find the machine that causes the tremors wait he's he got smoke bombs it's it's doesn't not just, though he doesn't just have smoke bombs he has smoke bombs that become a solid wall yeah yeah like oh, that's you right. do yeah <laughs> yeah in fact beast bounces into it and it's like a brick it just i don't know wow yeah, what is that like? Me master memory foam? I don't know what. Well, <laughs> that's like, he's like a he's like a a, a a teamster ninja. 
I mm. just realized on that same page, page five, first panel, his eyes are no longer red. Nope. Yes. Yeah. You know, that it was this issue. I wish I had realized this in issue 41. Um, it was how it made the second half of this story a little bit more enjoyable. I was like, oh, the way grotesque talks and the way he's drawn, he was clearly inspiration for some Rob Zombie songs. And then Thunderkiss 1965 started playing <laughs> over and over, and it made it a lot more fun. <laughs> Very good. Every time they were fighting, it was dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> Music makes everything better. That and I yeah. decided to use the the dog food um secret for Professor X. And that made oh. it a lot more interesting. What's that? The dog food secret? Oh, is so yeah. one of my favorite podcasts, the Glass Cannon podcast, they were talking about how when they watch movies, if they're boring, they pretend that they have someone has a secret. And the secret is is that they like to eat dog food. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So that was Professor X's secret was that he likes to eat dog food. But is it <laughs> wet food or dry? I, I mean, Raj. is that going to make a about big Purina? difference? I think it would. Yeah, I think it does. <laughs> I think it's, it does. It's, it's dollar store wet dog food. Roger just you turned know. this PG-13 podcast into a rated R. No, I think it, whether it, it says a lot about your personality, do you prefer kibble or do you prefer the wet food? Oh, wait, you're talking about eating it. Never mind. Dog food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, wow. So speaking of PG 13, I find it I find it rather braggadocious of grotesque to call his apparatus massive. <laughs> Based on what we've seen so far, it's a normal size. It's a normal size apparatus, yeah. I'm sure it's but very is, nice though. They did they did make a point of telling us though that he himself was six foot five inches. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he throws these weird smoke bombs that become walls and, uh, goes after the machine that causes the tremors. Um, and, uh, all he, all he wants is revenge. I mean, that's his whole point, he, but he wants to basically crack the world in half. So he'll die, which I guess is okay. He's the last of his kind. Um, Cyclops, of course, because grotesque is, you know, ditched out. Cyclops goes to see Xavier, but Marvel Girl says no. Uh, you know, she uses her power to stop him. Marvel Girl literally is like flinging Scott Summers around using her tele, tele uh, telekinesis. This is her. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean, I thought it was cool because this is the guy she loves. And she picks him up and is like tossing him around. I mean, what's got to be going through his head? But Gene, don't you love me? Dude, what if no. what if they were in like an abusive relationship and she just beat the shit out of him and didn't even leave a mark on him? No, they'll I get mean, to that in the Avengers. They were in an abusive enough. relationship. Look at like what the, the mind games she played with him and Wolverine both. I mean, that's later, Drew. Come on. Oh, that's true. Don't spoil but still, it. I'm, I'm literally just going off of what was that? X-Men X2, the movie, yeah. the second one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it gets much better. Their relationship gets much better. <laughs> so I can't so, believe that like grotesque at this point never ran into anybody else under the earth's crust other than his own people. I know and there's it, so many people under there. Just in New York alone, Mole Man and the yes. Moloids. Yep. Um Tyrannus and his fellas. Yep. Um and then I mean of course you've got Savage Land, which um well, I mean, that's over in the Arctic, right? Yeah, but, but I mean, still, that's just that there are more boroughs underneath New York than there are in New York. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And with no sub, with no reliable su subway system, I'm assuming they mm -hmm. never, um, no one ever goes outside of their own borough, so no one knows. Yeah. Uh, grotesque didn't know that the mole man was there. And um, if Tyrannus hadn't attacked the mole man, he would have never known the Tyrannus was there. So at the same time, grotesque seems to know an awful lot about human society. Uh, you know, he seems really familiar with their language with, you know, I don't know. Um, Tyrannus grotesque grotesque is, I guess he, he felt like such a throwaway character. Yeah, but that's that's what bothers me about it. 
because I actually sympathized with him as oh, a villain. God. Come on, no. It had he had an interesting story, and this could have gone somewhere. They could have really made something out of this. This throw like Wolverine was a throwaway character, essentially. Yeah. And they made something out of him. Yeah. yeah if yeah, the right yeah. writer had gotten a hold of this character, dude, it could have blown up. I'm telling you. Yeah, well, well it just, I, that's another that's another bad mark on this series because they good, did this. Yeah, it's a good point because he was just a foil to get to the end. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. all he was there for. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do agree with you that he was a, a sympathetic villain, but I only agree with that in issue 42 after they retconned his backstory from issue 41. Yeah. <laughs> after after it had been announced that uh, he had been mutated from radiation due to underground atomic testing. Yeah. And that's what potentially was causing the tremors and radiation gas was released after underground nuclear testing. That was a way better backstory than just like, oh, there's a little earth tremor. It's a little quake. I'm kind of scared. Yeah, oh, just no. because some <laughs> some mad scientist creates some little machine at the university. Boy, talk about that, throwaway characters, huh? Those guys were, they were just in it in a whisper. They were. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so that means we, did, I didn't think about this before, but that means they were doing underground nuclear testing under New York. Apparently. I, mean, I would too, to be fair. There's all kinds of conspiracy theorists who have some uh, theories about people living under the streets of New York. Chuds, yeah. chuds, chuds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, this Jed's for you. Well, some green, <laughs> sl- some green sludge came up from underground recently in New York. So, you know, really, yeah. I did yeah. have a note for uh, page twelve, first panel, because I know at one point in a previous episode we had discussed the last use of Professor Xavier's mechanical legs. Yep, but it yep. came back. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. That's I was I, I actually have a note saying that I, I said before that that. Uh, he never uses them again, but here we are. And what's interesting is, is that I looked up his magical legs and, look, you know, scoured various websites that talked about it. And nobody mentioned this issue. Um, and it's because it's barely even brought up. <laughs> no, it's literally just one panel of him standing yeah. up. Yeah. As soon as I saw that, I heard Shane's voice in my my head saying, Magic legs, attempt, dad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, by by skipping to page 12, though, we kind of skipped the big reveal. Yes. Oh, we did. Back on page seven, we were just talking about Jean Grey being the dom in the relationship with Cyclops. Yep. Yep. But then page seven has got, like, I had a bunch of notes leading up to this, and then I I read this, and it's like, oh, shit, half my funny's gone. (laughs) All of my sarcasm was for naught. Well, well, let's go ahead, Shane. Let's talk about that big reveal. Um, Yeah. um, Professor X is wearing a rubber mask as one of the scientists. Apparently his, (laughs) his his latex technology is far beyond the reaches of an average 60s human. He, mm-hmm. he at least he didn't dress like Heidi's grandpa. Um, That's, yeah, his Gandalf costume from Gandalf, the Locust, Wilford Brimley. <laughs> well, um, you know he would have gotten away from you know with it if it wasn't for that meddling grotesque. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then immediately he says something that I'm like, well, what the hell is wrong with you? Must manage to fall lightly. Excuse <laughs> me. How do you fall lightly? I light as a feather. Tuck and roll. <laughs> tuck and roll. Yeah, tuck your chin. <laughs> Ball like a leaf on the wind. Um, yeah, so that's the reason why nobody can go see Charles, because uh, he's busy trying to fight off grotesque, right? Which made no um, sense. Uh, my no. note even says, page seven, they better explain why Professor Xavier is in disguise, because it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. And I, it never really got explained, I didn't feel like. Nope. Well, he uses this disguise, or his, sorry, he uses his magic legs um, to stand up and enter into that machine or to the area of the machine. And, and of course, as he is so good with wrecking bad guys' equipment, he uh, he does so. And he causes an explosion that kills Grotesque, the subhuman. 
and himself. Big applause. No. Okay. Maybe it's just me. I was so excited when Professor X got killed. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we, 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 we kind of grazed over a few things. Like yeah. Angel flying in with Professor X's solar orbs. Which oh, oh yes, I hated orbs. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was honestly talk. one of those things. I was like, okay, that we're going here now. Sure, let's just keep keep on this, Mister Toad's wild ride. Adventure <laughs> we're on here. It's like, okay, it's a good thing I brought Charles Xavier's solar orbs. How come you didn't bring them with anything else you did? I mean, why aren't they it just part always... of your costume? It did make me want to see Angel like actually have weapons, though, because he was yeah. way right. less useless than normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And oh, speaking of that, like at one point they're like, "Oh, I can feel the earthquake is lessening," and um, I would say that as a group of people that have all actually felt earthquakes, it was like when if they are that powerful, it's like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna die!" Oh wait, that's over. There's no. <laughs> oh, that's not. It's, it's not as bad now as it was before. That yeah. moment never happens. Well, I will say. One of the, well, no, I don't know. The last earthquake we were in, which was, they're all small. I mean, comparatively speaking. Um, but we were in Berkeley when an earthquake hit. And we are, we're in a building, I don't know, three floors up maybe. Um, and we hear it down the street before we felt it. And then we hear it coming like a big truck out of nowhere. And then it hit the building and the whole building rolled around. Um, and then it stopped and we heard it going down the street the other way. So <laughs> it was the weirdest earthquake ever. Wow. <laughs> but even still, there was no like build and then a decrescendo at the end. It was like, I, you can hear it coming. Everything <laughs> shook. And then you could hear it going past. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that is true. So here it is. Xavier's killed off by this explosion. He has saved the day thanks to his magical legs. Um, and, and yeah, before he dies off though, he explains that he knew he was dying because he mentions that he has an illness that even in his words, even I could not cure. Like what kind Herpes. of knowledge does he have to cure? Yeah. What kind of knowledge does he have to cure disease anyway? But anyway, latex masking technology for one. <laughs> Solar orbs. One, I wonder where he would learn to work latex like that. Probably making all sorts of other things too. All right. I, I do miss that oak door. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the thing is like if 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 Professor X was such a great doctor, why did the X-Men have to keep going to the hospital? Not only did he have a disease that he even he couldn't cure apparently a sprained ankle was something that even he couldn't cure was he just like making the x-men go to the hospital so he could practice his mass mind wipes maybe yeah. he's like 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 dr house and he can only do the really fancy exotic weird things i don't know that that horse tranquilizer that they shot bobby with was pretty fancy and exotic <laughs> <laughs> I like how Grotesque had those mirrors on his chest that could absorb Scott's force beams and shoot them back at him, too. You know, because yeah. the, the smoke bomb nipples weren't enough. He also needed the concussive force redirection nipples. So apparently you he's know, built like a cat. With all the killer technology that his people have, why didn't they just build stuff that would absorb the shockwaves from the, the tremors? I don't know. On on page fifteen, I do I do want to say, the art on the last page of this issue is freaking awesome. It's it's Angel carrying the corpse of Professor Xavier, and he's got a like classic. this this sad look on his face, and he's like he's kind of ripped, like he's all his muscles are showing. And then the X Men are like back behind him, all sad with like the leg of grotesque sticking out of rubble. The art on this page is freaking awesome, yeah, like. They yep. did a good job on it, but I also I want to say that last panel. I think that last panel is amazing. On on page yep. fifteen, my my main note for page fifteen is "Ding dong, the professor's dead. The professor's dead. The professor's dead." <laughs> <laughs> and then I wrote, "If only I thought it would stick." Uncle Ben <laughs> dead. That sob. Although in this era, you'd probably just say Bucky dead. 
<laughs> I don't know. I in my head, if this was a movie, an angel would be walking with Professor X and be all sad, and then he would drop him. <laughs> and everyone would kind of look around real quick and they would pick it back up and they would all be sad again. <laughs> so that that picture of him carrying Professor Xavier uh, reminds me of the crisis uh, image with Superman carrying yeah. Supergirl, which I'm guessing they probably borrowed from this. And, you know, it's it's a possibility, although... DC ended up borrowing that image for a bunch of superheroes doing the same thing. Well, <laughs> the death of Robin is what yeah. comes to my mind. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Uh, but it is that that whole page. That last panel is is probably my favorite panel in the whole book. I love it. Um, I think the art is fantastic. And and again, this is you know this is uh, what's his name doing the artwork, right? So it's Don Heck doing the the pencils. And George Tuska doing the doing the inks, and I'm trying to think of Tuska as being somebody I remember on like I don't know 1960 late 1960s Hulk or 70s Hulk, um, and you know you've got the big Hulk, and then and like a normal man's face on this big Hulk, which I I never did quite like, um, and all these guys in the comic book world are like, oh, his art's awesome. But as a kid, I was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" You know, it's I, it's this. This is definitely a more mature art style than what we've been, you know, looking. Yeah, but it is and it isn't because while the the art has evolved, they dressed them all up in clown costumes. Yeah, their costumes yeah. are horrible. It's yeah. it's Taco Bell chalupa wrappers that they're all running around in that's now. what it is it's the taco bell's version of like the mcdonald's crew of like the you know grimace and hamburglar and all the McDonald's. <laughs> but this is taco bell's version wow the x-men yesterday's fast food oh. <laughs> all right well um then we go into so, part four of the yeah, origin of Cyclopes. I would I would like to, but I'm I'm curious first about how you like did did none nobody here like that storyline? No, so it was a let no. Oh. It was an absolute disappointment. The only thing that those two issues did was kill off Professor Xavier, and we were all super happy about it. And that's okay. it. That didn't make it for you. All right. Am I wrong? Am I wrong that? Well, like I said, if it had, if I one of the things I, I wrote down was that this this two issue fifteen page story is about an issue and a half too long. <laughs> there was, I feel like they could have they could have made it one issue where Professor X tells everyone, "Hey, I'm dying, but I want to go out," you know, as part of the team. And they are, you know, and then they're, and so he starts taking crazy risks and, and like going out in the field with them. And then something happens and he dies. I feel like that would have been more impactful instead of having this whole convoluted story where nothing tied together and nothing makes sense. Because what they, it, what it seems to imply is that Professor X was one of the ones that caused these earthquakes. Because they never said that he replaced the scientist. He just they <laughs> yeah. so that means that that he went in and was the scientist. And oh, those guys knew him too. They were all talking to they were all talking to each other. And you know that's that's hysterical. Yeah. What a great follow up issue too. Because then like the deputy leader would be like brooding about how it was his fault that he let Charles Xavier go out in the field with them and everything. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I just wow. I just had a thought just completely kind of popped into my head at random. I think one of the reasons why I was so disappointed in this issue is because we we just read X-Men Grand Design and this event was covered in X-Men Grand Design. And it was done so much better in Grand Design than it was in this. Like he got his neck snapped by Grotesque in that in that book. And so and it was spoiled, only three panels. Exactly. But having like spoiled it for myself, for lack of a better word, because reading Grand Design. And then he just kind of fades off with an illness. It was very disappointing. It would have been awesome if he got his neck snapped by grotesque. Oh yeah. 
Like it would have been way more impactful. It would have been way more action orientated. Just everything about that three panel storyline from Grand Design did this story better. Oh, that's funny because I was actually worried about you reading uh, Grand Design thinking, oh, we're going to spoil all kinds of shit for Drew. But apparently it's not spoiled because it is completely different. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, that's cool. We still have a backup story to talk about. Um, this is the origin of the uncanny X-Men end or the beginning and written by Roy Thomas, penciled by Warner Roth, ink by Herb Trimpey, uh, lettering by Al Kurzrock and editing by Stan Lee. Um, this is the last installment, by the way, of Cyclops origin story. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold back, Drew. Tell us how you yeah. really feel. Tell us how you feel, Drew. <laughs> so it. Jack of Diamonds is now fully diamond. Xavier approaches him, um, having survived the building crashing on top of him, of course, and offers to help him. Look, I just want to help you, Jack of Diamonds. And Jack, of course, is a big dick, so he's like, I don't need your help. Get out of my way. Uh, you know, he refuses, and Charles convinces Jack's young charge protege minion uh, anyway scott summers to help him and uh, the two fight with jack ultimately using the facility's ultrasonic vibration inducer <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing that we same device we just read about yeah yeah causing the earthquakes <laughs> and all that yep just a fancy name for a pocket rocket yeah mm-hmm. okay at any rate, they use that to blow Jack Diamonds up. And Charles takes young Scott back to the mansion and he tells him about his plans to form a group of young mutant heroes. He gives Scott a costume and a visor, calls him Cyclops. Um I was impressed that he hadn't met Cyclops. Knew he needed to do a make a Ruby Quartz visor for one day. Yep. Right. Yep. Well, yeah. So didn't we already read that that Cyclops's uh, optometrist gave him ruby quartz. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So Xavier, be, Xavier. That, that's right. he had to jump on that shit pretty quick. Um, I'm reminded of a bonus episode that isn't uh, <laughs> that isn't up yet. We just talked about it. The grand design. Um, we see Jack Winters explode into shards in that issue in grand yeah. design, right? Um. Now, however, we don't actually see him explode here. We just see the explosion, and then there's a sound. There's like a, a, you know, there's like a not a word bubble, but there's like sound effects that shoot across the screen. A room. The, yes, <laughs> the, the, that's a famous one. Um, decades later, of course, Roy Thomas would write an issue of Marvel Legends that takes place before Wolverine becomes an X-Man. Um, and it has him teamed up with Jack of Diamonds. And they're both sent on a mission by Department H. And in that story, Wolverine ends up killing Jack of Diamonds and shattering him like a windshield of a Dodge Dart just all over the place. <laughs> uh, now, Ed Pisker just assumed that Jack was shattered because of that explosion. And probably because they never used him in comics again. Um Ray Thomas's book came out not too long ago. It's a recent issue. And it's basically because Marvel's old timers are coming back and re revisiting stories that they were already working on and kind of finishing up those plot lines, etc. So but Ed Pisker was what? like, yeah, Jack of Diamonds would explode into lots of pieces, of course. Um at any rate, I just found that interesting because it's kind of like you know, in Grand Design, Ed Pisker made him shatter into pieces. And according to Roy Thomas, which was written after Ed Pisker's book, he didn't actually do that. So, You know what I found interesting in this book? How Professor X is able to use his telepathy to see what kind of machines are in rooms that he's not in and yeah. know what they do. Yeah, he also seems to have uh, telekinetic powers in this, in addition to his telepathy. Yep. Yeah. 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 I also wrote in my notes, Professor 
kills human diamond. <laughs> Crimes of Xavier starting yep. early. Yep. Yeah. Well, I didn't write that one down because I know he doesn't die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, for me, I, I, my, my note for this is basically to, you know, to sum it up is these four mini series were five pages each. So 20 pages total, which is an, a full length comic book. Like, why didn't they just make this a full length comic book where like, you know, especially doing this, this book club. Some some of these issues are bad, but you know you're like, oh, it's only twenty pages. I can sit down and get through it. And it's over with. It's done. Whereas with these four mini series, it's like, oh, more. Oh, okay. Well, at least it's only five pages. Oh, there's more. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, this could have been a very good just standalone issue instead of four kind of cobbled together mini series. I didn't really understand that that choice, especially since the mini series is that we've seen before. That's exactly what they were. It was a mini series. It's like, oh, one one issue of you know one five page issue, maybe two five page issues for you know a little mini mini story. But this one didn't make sense as a, a mini series. Hmm. It was because they couldn't stretch the other the other four issues out to full full twenty pages. I personally wish they'd had more Cyclops in them, um, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just because you hate Angel. I don't it also kind of I don't know you guys tell me if if I'm wrong in this if if my opinion's wrong but I feel like Scott didn't do much in these four issues. No no like no. over the over the over his origin story like there's not much that he did. He was kind of just a background Ta character right. in his own he was, story. He was sort of taken along. Yeah. Yeah, no that's exactly what it was. All right. Yeah, it was definitely not the Scott origin story. It was the, it was the, it was the origin story of of Diamond Man and his pal Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, you know, in the grand, in the whole grand design, the grand scheme of things, I'm I'm glad we read them. Um, at some point, I will be like, yeah, I've read all. 12,000 issues of X-Men comics. I don't know that I really want to say that on my uh, tombstone. but <laughs> Yeah, don't put um... that on your resume. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's interesting to go through these old stories and, and actually we're watching such a development in style and character development itself, in art. Um, I think it's pretty interesting. I, I'm fascinated by how it's going because I know where it's going to end up and that's all some cool shit. So, I'm really excited for the creative team to actually just start caring about the book again, because it's it's very clear to me as a reader that they kind of just writing it to make money at this point. They're like, oh, is they here, you know, throw yeah. this on some paper and sell it, and we'll hopefully make some money. And if it doesn't sell, whatever, we didn't put any effort into it. But we are close to close to twenty issues before the book is canceled. So, um. I think it's safe to say that it's not really a creative team. They work together, they put the book out, but they're not really working together. You know? That's a great way to put it. That's yeah. yes, that's what it feels like. Stan tells them what to do, and then they fill in some words. That's right. <laughs> it's just well, it's I... kind of sad because the you know the the first thirty issues of this book were amazing. Like yeah. they not all of them obviously, but overall there was a you know a cohesive style of what was happening and now besides the uh the whole you know frankenstein frankenstein 2 frankenstein diamond edition it's there's no <laughs> consistency <laughs> yeah yeah you just remind me that my favorite issue is still number two x-men number two i love that um well i think we covered it all haven't we Yep, that yep. pretty much does it. Okay, well, I am really glad we read them. Like I said, they may not be the greatest, but, uh, you know, I got to see Professor Xavier die, and I know what's coming up, and I'm excited to see that happen, too. So, uh, you know, I when that comes to, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. About it. At any rate, all that said, uh, next time we meet, or next time, next episode... 
we'll be reading number 43 and number 44 of the X. So we will see you guys then. See ya. Bye bye. Peace out.